This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, and thank you for joining us here at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number nine, entitled, Jesus Has a God. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is a podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dustin Smith. And today we're going to be asking the question, did Jesus have a God? Did Jesus have someone that he worshipped? I think the answer is very clear. We're going to see that Jesus actually did have a God, and he actually addressed this God as my God. And so we're going to look at a variety of passages which indicate that Jesus not only had a God, but can correctly be understood as being a biblical Unitarian. So we're going to see that Jesus believed in the Unitarian God and honored him and taught him as the only true God. The first thing we're going to look at is answering the question, did Jesus have a God? Ten times in the New Testament, Jesus, from his own mouth, states, my God. He claims to have a God. So let's look at these passages. First one here is in Matthew 27, verse 46, where it says, About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus on the cross on Good Friday. And he is quoting here out of Psalm 22, verse 1, stating, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's actually quoting here the Hebrew, which you could read in Psalm 22. And so there Jesus actually says, my God, twice. We also see a a parallel passage in Mark 15, verse 34, where nearly the same thing is said. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Labas, Sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Matthew and Mark have parallel passages there, both indicating twice that Jesus stated, my God. And actually quoted it there out of the Hebrew text of Psalm 22. After his resurrection, Jesus comes into contact with Mary and John's gospel. And we read here in John 20 and verse 17 that Jesus said to her, quote, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Now, this passage is actually very, very important, and we're going to come back to this passage later in the episode. But here, Jesus states that he has a father, and he calls him my father, and he has a God and calls him my God. But Jesus also says that Mary can address this God as the father, telling Mary that this is your father, and Mary can also address this God as your God. So, My Father, according to Jesus, is also my God. And he wants that understanding of God being the Father to be shared amongst his brethren. That's a reference after the resurrection. We see a couple passages in the book of Revelation. First one here is in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2, where there is a letter, an epistle sent to Sardis, the city, where Jesus says to this city, Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. There again, Jesus addresses God as his God, my God. 
That's in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2. And in the letter to Philadelphia, also in the book of Revelation, we have this reference in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 12, which is very powerful. Jesus says this, He who is conquering, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God and my new name. Again, that's Revelation 3 and verse 12, where four times, count them, four times, one, two, three, four, Jesus addresses God as my God. So you put all those references together, and Jesus calls the Father my God ten times in the New Testament, both before and after his resurrection. This is what Jesus believed and taught. Jesus there states that he has a God multiple times. Now, since we saw in John 20, verse 17, that the God of Jesus is also the Father of Jesus, we could also look at a parallel statement being my Father. And Jesus calls God my Father around 40 times in the New Testament because Jesus has a Father, being that he was a Son brought into existence and birthed by the Father. And, of course, Jesus addressed the Father as God the Father. Remember, again, John 20, 17 makes my Father into my God, not only for Jesus, but also for Christians. But Jesus had already taught this prior to his resurrection when he was teaching the Lord's Prayer, as we like to call it. This is Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew 6 and verse 9, Jesus commands his followers to pray this way or to pray in this manner. And the prayer is, as many people have memorized, our Father who art in heaven, or our Father who is in heaven. But there, it's the Father collectively belonging to Jesus and to the disciples, our Father. So the Father of Jesus is also the Father of his disciples. Now, Jesus could have said, our God, but he says, our Father, because our Father and our God are the same person. Again, Jesus addresses God as his God, but also as his Father, and he wants Christians as well to address God as my God and my Father and our Father. Moving along, we can see that Jesus, within the New Testament, particularly in the Gospels, regularly claimed his unreserved subordination to God the Father. Jesus never tried to state that he had some sort of equality with God. On the contrary, he would constantly state that the Father is greater than he is. Look at this passage. Coming from out of John's Gospel, John chapter 10 and verse 29, Jesus said, My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Jesus there is saying that the Father is greater than all, including himself, obviously. And if that wasn't clear enough, we could see in John 14, 28, where Jesus said, You heard that I said to you, I go away, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. So within those two passages, John 10, verse 29 and 14, 28, Jesus says, the Father is greater than all, and the Father is greater than I. Jesus had no problem addressing his God, the true God, as the one who is greater than he is. We should go without saying, because God, the Father, is the greatest supreme being in the universe. Jesus there being a good biblical Unitarian. Of course, we can't talk about the Father's superiority within John's Gospel without looking at this important passage 
John 17 and verse 3, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Jesus here in John 17, 3 is addressing God as the only true God. Literally in the Greek, more specifically, it is the only one who is truly God. The Father there, the one to whom Jesus is praying, is the only true God. Jesus says the Father is the only true God. We can also see that Jesus, as the subordinate son, perfectly obeyed the will of the Father. Look at these passages. There's quite a few of them. All out of John's Gospel, actually. John chapter 4 and verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That again, John 4, 34, Jesus says his food, his nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus is out to perfectly obey and to do the will of him who sent me. Remember, Jesus in the Lord prayer prayed for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus here is the one who is obediently doing the will of him who sent him. Another passage, John chapter 5 and verse 30, Jesus states, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Again, Jesus here being obedient, not seeking his own will, but seeking the will of the one who sent him. God being the one who sent and commissioned Jesus. Jesus there being perfectly obedient to the Father. Next passage in John chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Again, Jesus, not wanting to do his own will, but being obedient and to obey, to do, to accomplish the will of the Father who sent him. I probably should do a little footnote here and state that when Jesus says that he has come down out of heaven, this is not Jesus descending physically from heaven the location. We know that it is a popular Jewish belief to state, as we have in the New Testament in James 1.17, that every good thing given and every perfect gift comes down from above comes down from heaven. Every good gift from God comes down from heaven because heaven is its identification. It's good. It comes from a good God, comes from God who is in heaven. But everything which is good comes down from above, not literally descending from heaven the location, but it's identified with God as something that is good because God is good. So when Jesus here in John 6, 38 is stating that he came down from heaven, he's not saying that he descended physically from heaven but that he is a good gift. He is on God's side. He's to be identified with God in contrast to later in John's gospel when he says that his opponents are from below, not literally from the ground underneath as a location, but they're identified with below, the realm in need of redemption contrary to heaven, God's realm. Moving along, we can also see Jesus' obedience in John chapter 8 and verse 29. Jesus said, And he who sent me is with me, he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Again, Jesus said, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus there functioning as the subordinate son, perfectly obeying the will of the Father. Moving along in our study here of looking at Jesus having a God, we could see that in a passage that is parallel in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, our synoptic gospels, Jesus was very careful to not infringe upon honor that belonged to God alone. Look at this passage here in Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. 
As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him, ran up to Jesus, and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What shall I do to inherit the life of the age to come? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. That's Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 18, where Jesus stops this person and says, Why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. Jesus here is willing to concede goodness to the Father and saying no one is good except God alone. God alone is very clear. Only God is considered good, at least in the sense that Jesus is describing here in this passage. This passage is paralleled also in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16 and in Luke chapter 18 and verse 18. So all three of these synoptic evangelists wanted to put this in their gospel to indicate that Jesus is making sure that God alone is the one who is good. Jesus there is being, again, careful not to infringe upon honor belonging to God alone. And lastly, we're going to see that Jesus was unable to do anything without the Father's help and guidance because the Father was Jesus' God. Look here, John chapter 5, and verse 19. It says, Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. So again, Jesus is saying he could do nothing of himself. He only does what the Father does. And whatever the Father does, the Son follows in obedience in like manner. And that way, Jesus can actually state some sense of equality. Because that's actually answering the question where people thought that he was claiming equality with God in the previous verse, 5 and verse 18. So Jesus, by doing what the Father does, the Son doing in like manner, as it says in 519, that is the answer to the previous question. Moving along, John chapter 12, verses 49 through 50, Jesus states, For I did not speak of my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Jesus here saying that what God told him to say and what God told him to speak, Jesus is obediently doing. Functioning here, again, as the obedient son, unable to do anything without the Father's guidance and help. Later, a more private conversation, Jesus says in John 15, 15 to his disciples, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. She is here stating that the father has made known things to Jesus. The father has revealed things to Jesus, and Jesus is now revealing them to his disciples, the ones to whom he addresses as friends. So in conclusion, we have observed that Jesus calls the Father my God ten times in Scripture, both before and after his resurrection. We've also observed from the Scriptures that Jesus addresses the Father as my Father some 40 times. And Jesus taught that we too should address this reference to God in the same way that Jesus addressed God as my Father and my God. We also observe that Jesus claimed his unapologetic subordination to the Father, stating that the Father is greater than all, 
and the Father is greater than I. We also saw that Jesus stated that the Father is the only true God in John 17 and verse 3. We also observed that as the subordinate son, Jesus always obeyed the will and desire of God. In the synoptic accounts, we noticed that Jesus was careful to not infringe on the goodness belonging to God, stating that no one is good but God alone. And lastly, we saw Jesus was unable to do anything without the Father's guidance and help. It sounds like, to me, that Jesus was a good BU. Jesus was a good biblical Unitarian. Jesus being one who worshipped the only true God. And thus, Jesus sets out an example for how his followers today should also believe in and understand the true God, namely the Father. If you'd like to know more about Biblical Unitarian Theology, be sure to check us out online at biblicalunitarian.com and youtube.com slash biblicalunitarian. Thank you again so much for listening to the podcast. Again, my name is Dustin Smith, your host, and until next time, take care.